0: Welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Adult Bible Podcast. My name is Mike Lewis and I'm the Worship and Young Adults Minister here at Southwest Church of Christ. These are the D6 lessons that coincide with our children's ministry. They're learning about these lessons as well and uh, this is an opportunity for our adults to be able to follow along with their children, their grandchildren, and to continue to uh, teach them uh, some of the same lessons in life that they're learning about here. This morning we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. In the story of the Passover, we remember God's saving power and grace from generation to generation. We see God's redemptive power, mercy, and justice displayed, and his promises kept. In the institution of the Passover celebration, or if you want to call it the festival of unleavened bread, we see the need to remember God's saving power. The idea of remembering God's grace is an important practice for Christians. We are a forgetful people. Scripture urges us to remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. For those participating in Bible Challenge, you might recognize this verse from Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14. Scripture also urges us to remember your creator in the days of your youth. From Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. To remember the wonderful works that he has done, Psalm 105, verse 5. And remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. The New Testament writers often remind their readers of essential gospel truths. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, which is of course linked to the Passover, He said, do this in remembrance of me in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. It is important to remind ourselves and others of all that God has done for us. This lesson is set about 80 years after Moses' birth, probably around 1446 BC. If you remember last week's lesson, we left Moses standing before the burning bush asking God, Who am I? that I might speak so boldly to the Pharaoh. God had raised up and prepared Moses and was ready to deliver his people out of bondage in Egypt. Many of us recognize and celebrate various holidays and annual traditions. Besides the major holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter, we all have family traditions and celebrations that are unique to our family, or family and friends. Whether it's an annual trip to the coast, opening day of baseball, spring training, maybe a family evening where we read scripture together and worship, or a special meal that we have on other days of the year uh, surrounding other events that we celebrate. I was fortunate to marry into a family with just such a tradition, and it's been a blessing to be able to pass this along to my children. I used to have the annual tradition of taking my kids to Free Comic Book Day. It's held on the first Saturday in May. As they've gotten older, we haven't really been as interested in going, and with COVID, it was canceled last year, and I don't know what it'll look like this year, but we haven't been going, and uh, it might not be something that we do very much longer, but when we did, it really was something that we looked forward to. So let me ask you, what makes a celebration or tradition so special and meaningful? Is it the food we eat? Maybe it's the memories and time with family. Perhaps it's the idea that you do something no one else does, and that does make it special. From Exodus chapter 4 through 11, we read about nine different plagues over all the land and how these affected the people's ability to thrive and survive. Can you name those first nine? And now in chapter 12, we have the final plague, a consequence over Pharaoh and how it will affect everyone. Remember, these plagues were because of Pharaoh hardening his heart, but they affected everyone, including the Hebrew slaves, God's people. Without going there and dissecting every single plague, we can learn a lesson that an individual's sin, my sin, can affect other people. So, let's read Exodus chapter 12, and then we'll read verses 1-7, through and then look into some of what it talks about here. So let's read this together. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their fathers' houses, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. In verses 1 and 2, God gives Moses and Aaron the instructions on when Passover would happen. The religious year would now begin around the spring equinox, around mid-March or early April. In order to be delivered from slavery to Egypt, each Israelite family was instructed to sacrifice a lamb without defect and apply its blood to the doorposts of their homes. Just as every household in Egypt would be impacted by the death of the firstborn, Every Jewish household was to offer a lamb as sacrifice. This lamb was to be one year old, a male, and without blemish. God is receiving this sacrifice, so it it needed to be perfect. I've often heard the concept that we are called to give God our best when we come before Him, when we come to church. If we think back to Genesis and Cain and Abel, we think, ah, Cain didn't give God his best. I think we missed the point. God is asking for a couple of things. He asks for the first and the best portion before we take for ourselves. In this situation, it was a lamb that had only been a year old. It was a male, and it was without blemish. This was considered a perfect and the best gift. The kind of animal that could bring your family a lot of money at the marketplace. This animal could help you trade for dozens of items that your family depended on to survive. And God wanted you to take this animal and to cook it and to eat it in one single meal. To any financially discerning person, this act could be seen as frivolous. And so God is not looking for the best that we have to give. He's looking for the most perfect and greatest gift that we could ever give want to keep for ourselves, and to give it to him. They were also given instruction over bread making, what to do, how to do that. They were told what to do with the blood. They were told how they were to be dressed, how the meat was to be cooked, the time of day to eat. So many different instructions that they were giving in the next set of verses. Why were these instructions so specific? These instructions were specific Because God is perfect, and we need to bring the most perfect and holy things before Him. On that same night, God would strike down the firstborn of the Egyptian men and animals in order to bring judgment upon all the gods of Egypt. This would complete the ten plagues promised in Exodus chapter 7 and signify God's power and might. The blood on the doorposts provided protection for such judgment as the angel of death would pass by, or pass over, these homes. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. This first Passover lamb was a type or symbol that pointed to the ultimate Passover sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The Passover lamb. As we mentioned, was to be innocent and without blemish. Jesus was the only one who could pay the price for sin, the only acceptable sacrifice, because he was spotless, without blemish, without sin. If you look at the Hebrew word here for uh, spotless, for without blemish, it's talmim. It meant to be complete or whole. It also meant entirely in accord with truth and fact. In Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 21, uh, we can read about a sabbatical year. Um, this is where every seventh year they had a special uh, provision. It was a time for them to release debts and release people from those debts. It was a time to uh, let slaves go free. And then they had feast, a feast for this as well. In this situation, when it talks about without blemish, the word is mum. It's a Hebrew word, and it meant it meant to be perfect and complete and without blemish. But it also meant that it was of moral stain as well. So, if we look at these two Hebrew words, tamim and mum, they're both talking about being perfect and complete, without blemish. But it also talked about being in the truth, to be morally pure, morally clean. Our spotless lamb Jesus was without any moral stain. He was in accord with the truth. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 19 says, "You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot." In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we can read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Second Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That makes me think of the a cappella song, His Righteousness. The Passover was also to be available freely to all. No household was excluded. In the same way, the blood of Christ, which offers redemption from sin, is freely available to all who believe the gospel. No person is ineligible, and no sin is too great to be covered. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verses 29-32. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, "'Up, go out from among my people, both of you, and the people of Israel.' and go, serve the Lord as you have said, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. God's final judgment on Pharaoh covered the entire land of Egypt. It is important to remember that the judgment of God will one day fall upon all men with equal impartiality. Anyone not covered by the blood of Christ will face God's justice. I cannot imagine what a horrible day it was when every household across Egypt discovered the death of their firstborn, from Pharaoh's palace, to the slave girl, to those in the dungeon, and even the firstborn of the livestock. The Lord's wrath falls upon the Egyptians, except for those that had the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorpost. This sign was to the angel that everyone within the home belonged to God. We too are sealed with the blood of Christ. We are eternally protected from God's wrath, and no power can break that seal. When God sees His people, He sees the precious blood of His Son, shed for us on the cross to pay the price for our sins. So we have forgiveness and mercy offered to us. Just as the Israelites fled Egypt and began a new life, we leave the bondage of our sin to begin a new life in Christ. No longer do we have to be affected by our former life, live in the slavery of sin and regret, or be weighed down by our weaknesses and failures. We can indeed leave the old life behind, a truth exhibited in the fact that we are new creations in Christ. 1 Corinthians speaks of many different sinful behaviors that were going on in that church in Corinth. And Paul reminds them of who they are now. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, he says, And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. Let's challenge ourselves with some closing thoughts. Ask yourself, What are some practices our culture accepts and encourages that could keep us from freely serving God? Is it too much time in sports, watching them, or actually playing them? Is it our entertainment choices? Or maybe it's the way we speak to one another on social media? In what ways have you seen people set free from the bondage of sin? Think about your life before you came to Christ. What were you like? What sins were you in bondage to? Are you still a slave to those sins? Ask yourself how, if you've been set free, you can still be a slave to your past sins. And what difference has Christ made in your life since you've followed him? Like those here in this passage who were to eat this food and to be ready to leave their Egyptian bondage at a moment's notice, are you living with the expectancy of Christ's imminent return? Are your sins covered by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ? If not, what is preventing you from believing in Him? Thank you for joining me today for the Southwest Church of Christ Adult Bible Podcast. If you'd like to join us, we meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. for worship at 9725 Southwest Durham Road in Tigard, Oregon. For more information on the Southwest Church of Christ, go to swest.org.